1: Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 998. If you're going to be in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, my home state of Tennessee, not my home city, but my home state, Nashville's pretty great though, I got to be honest. Um, I'm going to be at uh, Zanies May 30th through June 1st, and then the following weekend I will be at uh, Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. Tickets are at ID10T.com, as well as a bunch of other fun stuff, so please go there and Support all that business. But now let's support you, the ID10T community, by going to events at ID10T.com with your uh, emails for events on the corkboard, just like this one. Hey, want to get cute portraits of your pets and help a wonderful organization? Then make sure to check out the Happy Pop-Up event at Leanna Lynn's Wonderland this Sunday in Eagle Rock, uh, Los Angeles. By this Sunday, I believe they mean uh, May 5th. So uh, there will be numerous artists there that you can commission to do portraits of your pets. You can either bring uh, your pet or a photo. All the proceeds help Home Dog LA, an organization who helps families get the resources they need to keep their pets. There will be ice cream and more again Sunday, May 5th at Leanna Lynn's Wonderland in Eagle Rock on Eagle Rock Boulevard. Also, uh, Tome writes... We were listening to ID10T while building props at a non theater, and I uh, started, and I thought I would give you a heads up. After two years of fighting with city council, we finally opened! Yes! Uh, Mill Race Theatrical Companies and a nonprofit Performing Arts Theater and Makerspace located in Mount Holly, New Jersey near Philadelphia We teach free classes in acting, special effects design, engineering and everything related to live storytelling Our goal is to connect with people through the arts and give them an experience they can't reproduce at home or on their devices Our big spring comedy is running until early June and then we go into production on the fall horror show Theater of Fear Well, both of those sound amazing I uh, Thank you <laughs> Thank you for making a thing called Theater of Fear You can also learn more about us on our website, millrace theatricalcompany.com, uh, or our social networks at millrace theater, but it's spelled tra theatra. So there you go. This episode, Craigie Ferg is back. He just poked his head into the United States for like a minute uh, and then he went back back over to Scotland, but uh, he has a new memoir called Writing the Elephant, a memoir of altercations, humiliations, hallucinations, and observations, and it is out May 7th. So, uh, support Craig Ferguson. I love that guy. I miss him. Uh, I miss seeing him on the television. I miss seeing him in my life, and uh, he's just someone that I've been friends with for an incredibly long period of time. He's very open about sobriety. He's very open about Mental health, and uh, he certainly has been someone who has been inspiring and helpful to me, not just as a performer, um, but also uh, as a sober person. So, Craigie, I love you, and thank you for being on this episode of the ID10T podcast, which is number 998. And now, roll it! Initiating ID10T protocol.
0: God bless you. I'm so sorry. That wasn't a power play, by the way. It, it, it really, it's not something I learned in business school or anything like that. It's the trick just, is you got to show up yeah. 12 minutes late. 12 oh. minutes late and get them to make your coffee. Then they know who's boss. Then you piss in that bathroom
1: and you don't flush the toilet. That's how you no, do it. No, I flushed it. Did I flush? No, I don't think. know. No, 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 I, I, think don't. I think I flushed it. Well, what I didn't do is, is I,
0: I didn't leave... Uh, a thing in the guest book. Oh
1: yeah, there's a guest book. In well, I like a little right. smidge
0: of poo. Oh, that's so nice. So there is smidge of
1: so poo. that you at least
0: prove that you were yeah. there. Also, the name of my jazz combo. <laughs> I'm frightened to put the. Uh, it the, should be fine. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me see if I have. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> looking for a coaster. There's many fine. Uh, things here. I don't want to... There you go. Good lad. That note card is... Ah, uh,
1: for crap. Oh, for God's oh. sake. You're fuzzy
0: Hollywood whosies, but you don't even have a coaster. Uh,
1: there I've missed your accent in this city. Uh, you know, I, I'm very
0: glad that it's not here. <laughs>
1: I, I remember years ago you were like, someday I'm just gonna... Buy a castle, fuck off, and go to Scotland. Yeah, and well, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that, that what happens
0: is that... Uh, you know, I came to... I came to L.A. in uh, 1995. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to uh, I wanted to get famous and make money. Mm-hmm. And I got famous and made money. There you are.
1: Mission accomplished. <laughs> so, so
0: what am I going to do now? Hang around and do it again? No, you know, no.
1: what's great is that a lot of people kind of get into this space and and after we've been talking about this a lot lately about it's not enough there's never enough there's never enough and i like that you were just like well i did what i said now i'm just gonna go yeah no no there's enough uh, for sure (laughs) there's definitely enough i also think as
0: well that that, that, you know that my oldest son uh is now going off to college Mm -hmm. you believe milo's going to college Mm. would you believe that Oh, that uh, that
1: hurts my heart. I know because it, I just remember this tiny little guy tiny little running baby. around your pool. Yeah, yep.
0: he's going to college. He's is six foot something. He has a car. He has opinions. Oh my god! Um, I mean, he has hairy legs. It's uh, <laughs> I don't wish to embarrass him. They're not that hairy. He's not like a freakishly hairy person or anything. Um, but he's uh, not that. There's anything wrong with people being hairy. But, uh, but the um, but he I my youngest boy Liam. I thought well I don't. I don't want him to grow up in LA as well. He
1: doesn't have to grow up in LA and grow up in Scotland. Yeah. So we're in Scotland now.
0: Now but I'm here a lot.
1: You know. Do have have the, do the kids develop a any Scottish brogue?
0: Oh, uh, Liam sounds like he and I grew up in the same street. He does. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Milo can do a Scottish accent, but uh, but you know exists in this uh, world where I mean he went to school here. He's going to college in New York City. He's not. He's not Scottish. Sunday. He can do it if he wants to. Like if somebody offers him a part in Outlander or something. No, he's too Scottish for that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. But but it's all it's all good. It,
1: it, I like it. I like being there.
0: I like being amongst my own kind. I know? love Scotland.
1: Yeah, it's just it 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 is like a magical. It's the best. It's the best. It's, it's fantastic. It's carpeted with green. hmm And it feels ni- it just feels nice to be there. Yeah. I mean in the winter it's carpeted with
0: slush of and course. it's dark. And uh, and that's the way it is right now. And I'm in California and it's you know, it's that's okay. It's why I got here on Monday, it's now Thursday. Uh, is that right, Thursday? I think it's Thursday. Yeah, and and I'm still a little bit like, this is okay. This is okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to wear off. I'm like, this is all right. Well, it's not. You know what? It's okay to visit. Yeah, it is because I know because you're. But you, you still live here. This is this clearly is not rented accommodation. You still live here.
1: We still live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we're we're pretty rooted here for the while until yeah. the until the ocean uh, <laughs> swallows us up. Yeah. Uh, but until then, we'll be here. The island
0: nation of California. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah.
1: We'll sort of, we'll be a sovereign nation.
0: Yeah. The the
1: that will happen one day in the <laughs> so future in a
0: post apocalyptic dystopian whatever. It'll it'll happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. It's like. It, I think people tend to think of California as like, nah, it's just a bunch of liberal hippies out there. Where you're like, well, you know, maybe San Francisco and Los Angeles might. But there's a lot, a lot of, of California, a like, lot of California out there. Than there's a lot of gun-toting. Uh... Bigger than Britain,
0: California. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. uh, the, but there is a lot of gun-toting. There's gun-toting in LA as well. Not that no the gun. Toting. If people just toted their guns, that'd be fine. Right. And it's a, and a nice it's, tote bag. It's the, yeah, if you just put a little a tote bag, put your gun in it's it. It's the firing of the, the guns gym. that yeah, really.
1: Just take your gun at the gym. Look <laughs> at these guns. No, the actual guns. See? That's, <laughs> that's right. Like that. Yeah, I see what you one? did. You see what I did? That's there? very good. Are you doing Vegas anytime Oh, ago? my God. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you done Vegas recently?
0: Many times, yeah. Uh, recently, no. Uh, but I am doing it soon, actually. I'm going back. Although, here's the thing. It used to be. Now, you'll remember this. It used to be when you did stand-up, you went to a city. There was a theater in the city. You went to the theater, you did Mm stand-up. Now, what you do is you go to the city, you stay in a hotel in the city, then you travel outside the city to the casino Mm -hmm. where you do stand-up. They pay you ten times as much, but the people there don't want to see you.
1: (laughs) You're just a distraction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just, yeah. But
0: you earn more money. It's it's an interesting thing. Yeah. There's all these casinos everywhere, stand-up games. So in Vegas, I don't play Vegas anymore. I'm playing some casino in Henderson, I think, uh-huh. which is outside of Vegas. That's right.
1: Yeah. yeah. But the other upside to it is that it doesn't affect your career in any way because a lot of those people are so disinterested in everything that, that it's not gonna it doesn't matter.
0: You're just a break from the uh, compulsive gambling, and I think that's all right. It provides a service, also.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I think it's fine. Do, and are do you tour pretty nonstop back home?
0: No, I would never tour at home. Really? No, no, no. I, I don't would think I, you would. I, no, no, I don't work there. I I work here. I um I don't really. I'm toying with the idea of doing the Edinburgh Festival this year as doing a stand up show like one night. But I don't know. I quite like the fact that. Uh, the only people that remember me in Scotland are cab drivers over the age of fifty, and if you know anything about the uh, life expectancy in Scotland, there's only about four of them, so it, it's fine. I quite I quite like it. It's not that I'm not like I'm I'm not you know um, Chris Pine or something. I'm not like people you know recognize me all the time. But I love the idea that there's
1: no chance of being recognized,
0: like they just don't. Wow, yeah,
1: that's incredible. It's great, and you've chosen to because to me. There's so much opportunity to tour that whole island. Mm-hmm. On if you know, if you really wanted to, you can tour a landmass the size of you know, the size small, of California, of California yeah. on a loop. If I could just tour California around and around and around Do and you around, still Are you, you still tour, you still tour, yeah.
0: Huh? Yeah, but I gotta go all over the place. Well, that's America. It's a big country. I you gotta, know. you
1: gotta do the, gotta do your
0: thing. Too much of it. No, it's a, the perfect amount.
1: No, you start, you start in, uh, you start in London. You start small, and you work your all the way around. You go all the way up. You go to Glasgow, to Edinburgh. Come back down the other side, and then you end at the O2. That's how it works. Well,
0: I don't know about that. That <laughs> seems like some fancy tour, and I'm thinking a bit more about small theaters, maybe a hundred, maybe fifty seats. Now what?
1: Because this is a this is a fascinating point of view to me, and certainly to people who are listening, or people in California or America who always think bigger, better, bigger, bigger, better, bigger, better. And you love the idea that you've been able to create a more intimate life for yourself. Smaller, yeah, or is it, smaller and so is what happened between the young guy who came here in the '90s that was like. Fame, success, money, and then it's like I don't want anyone to recognize me. I'm going to go to a country where I can just be anonymous. I think that the, well, the age, which is
0: uh, which is a fabulously advantageous thing, if you're lucky enough to get older, I, I highly recommend it because there is that odd sensation of the corporeal decline is you know it is what it is, but but the uh, but the notion that you really start turning into like the the. Old person who doesn't give a fuck is mm-hmm. fascinating. Like, I, I, you generally like, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't give a fuck. It's a trillion dollars. Yeah, I don't care. You know, <laughs> it's not going to take What's it going to do? What am I going to do? Buy something I can't afford and then do another thing for a trillion dollars? It's, right. it doesn't matter. It's, it's a hamster wheel. And, you know, I don't. I don't care for that. Not that I've been against
1: hamsters, although I
0: don't like hamsters.
1: <laughs> well, you know, listen, I think about it. you're really t- taking a strong stance.
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you why I don't like hamsters. You have hamsters when you were a kid? I, I did. I, I, Ever I, meet I, an animal more suicidal than a hamster? <laughs> the, 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 the hell bent on breaking a young child's heart. All the hamster wants to do is get behind the refrigerator and die. That's all they want to do. That, that's all They build, they get down there. It's a, it's a rodent death cult.
1: You know, yeah. they were sent by God to teach lessons yeah, about right. life and death to children. Well,
0: I don't I don't appreciate it one <laughs> little bit. Every pet I had when I was a kid was sent by God to teach <laughs> me about life and Particularly the tortoises, of which I feel terrible about. They live a long time, though. Well, under the right tutelage, perhaps, but given to a... <laughs> not in, Ferg- uh, in clan uh, Ferguson. No, in, in the 1970s in Scotland, <laughs> with somebody with a woeful uh, record of animal husbandry, I'm afraid, no, they did not. I feel bad about it. It's like, oh, he's hibernating. It's July. Ah, he's just hibernating. They told me the, ho- the tortoises were hibernating. I had about three, I think. It's not illegal to keep tortoises. Is it illegal? I think it's illegal. I think it was, it was cruel. They need to be able to wander slowly across vast open to, spaces. They
1: need to run in wide yeah, open Yeah, they got to run. they got to
0: feel the warmth in the other side. Yeah. Da, 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 but the streets have no name. That's, that's what, right. That's, that's, that's right. That's what
1: the tortoises want. At, at heart, they're all of u two song. They they are. So, they, now, now, the difference is that turtles are more Joshua Tree and tortoises are more... A um, zoo station. Uh, yeah, zoo yeah, station. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you're right about <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> they're slower. They're but slow. They're going to listen. They're slower they're and like, kind of
0: like you know a yeah, little pedantic and yeah, not little, really their best. Come on, nah, yeah, they, yeah. they could do a lot better. Yeah.
1: Do I? Do you still listen to U2? I don't really listen to U2 anymore. I listen to. Um, I listen to pre uh, like for me, YouTube is Octung and before. Okay, I didn't like. There are a couple like you know. There's some catchy songs on pop. They got real poppy after that, and right. I don't mean that in the music snob good, sense. Poppy's good. Poppy is fine, yeah. but I just mean like i think they I think they're an interesting study in what you know it's like when you 're young, your art is always an expression of kind of what you 're going through and what sure. you 're experiencing and a lot of their early stuff was very about you know social change and rebellion and then and then it was just like discotech and listen discotech is fine but it's clear like they're all having a nice they're all very comfortable right. it's very
0: difficult to write songs about turmoil when you yes. when you're very happy yes yes yeah. yes yeah, which i'm
1: assuming which i'm assuming they are and yeah. you know because they're still i don't know
0: i sat behind them on a on a plane once did you talk to them uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no i i wouldn't dream of doing that but i sat behind them on a plane and it was bono on the edge sitting in front of me. And I could hear Bono talking to the edge. He was like, he, every now and again, he would say things like, "Here, that situation in Sarajevo it was looking very bad there. And then you could hear the edge going, mm-hmm. He's trying, <laughs> he's trying to sleep and stuff. <laughs> There's
1: like an old married
0: couple. <laughs> oh my God. No, the old married couple I really did sit behind was Michael Kane and his wife. Before I met Michael Kane right, before I did the late night show, I sat behind him and his wife on a plane from London. And he's a real chatterbox, Michael. And his wife... And, and so he's he's on the plane, he's going, do you think they've got any of these chocolate things that I like on this? I mean, he Please. just
1: nonstop the whole way. <laughs> I've never pictured Michael Caine as a chatterbox. Oh, my he God. Just he just won't
0: stop. He won't stop. He's very, he's, you think, have you ever met him? No. He's super friendly. He's one of the nicest people you'll meet. I mean, really he is. He's Henry Winkler level nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's crazy nice. Like, Henry Winkler, people think show business people are douchebags, and many of them oh, are, it's sure. true. But... But Henry Winkler, like he played the Fonz, that was like well, like fifty years ago, maybe um, forty, yeah, forty five, yeah, forty five years ago. People still 45. go up to him and go a, hey, and he goes a hey, back to them. He's the fucking friendly. best. I, like if I was through me, I'd be. Through. like They go a, hey, I go go fuck yourself, like, fucking <laughs> a, don't fucking <laughs> a me. <laughs> <laughs> hey i used use thumbs up. put your fucking thumbs away you fucking I'm gonna ass. break oh. your fucking thumb yeah. off how fucking dare you get, get, get out of you get off of my lawn with your thumbs
1: <laughs> henry is legitimately through oh, and
0: through unbelievably nice person you know the the uh joe bolter who is uh was the front end of the pantomime horse mm-hmm. when i was doing late night and he's now he's directing and he's like he's a big timey showbiz guy now he he was telling me that when he was a PA, a production assistant on the late night show, sometimes he had to go to Henry's house, you know, and like deliver, you know, yeah. information about little sketches or scripts or stuff. This is before you emailed everything. Yeah. And he said, You go to Henry's house, and Henry would say, uh, we're just having some tea. Do you want to come in and have some tea? Oh, and, he'd be like, and Henry and his family would be there and they'd give him a sandwich and stuff like that. Now remember, this is a kid who's, he's on a production, he's live, his diet is whatever candy he can steal from the green room. That's right. And Henry Winkler is giving him delicious
1: sandwiches. Maybe, amazing? maybe what we would come to find out is that the sandwiches are poisoned and that he has a basement of yeah. In the MPAs. Netflix documentary, that'll, be <laughs> that'll come out. Yeah. yeah, that'll
0: come out. I've I've gone down a deep hole of Netflix documentaries recently. Which what are you watching? Well, I found that my new favorite thing to watch is uh, documentaries about bands that I hate. Okay. And I end up loving them. Like the Rush documentary, I'm like I because I hate Rush, and yeah. then I watch them. I'm like, these are the greatest guys ever. I'm a dick for not loving Rush. Sure. And then um Anvil, the story of Anvil, mm-hmm. right. Fabulous movie about a band that I didn't care for until I saw the thing. Yep. The Journey documentary, same thing again. Then I go and see Bohemian Rhapsody. Now I like Queen again.
1: You know, it's almost as though everyone has a human story. And ah, if you're open you to new experiences bridge.
0: God, you wanna tell me about the Easter bunny now?
1: <laughs> Please, please. He's on. He's called the edge because he's always on the edge. No, with he's, but not he's just on very edge. on edge with Bono. He's, he's like, not please. on the edge at all. He's, just, he's fine? He was on the edge. He's now, fine. Now he's on the couch. Did I You ca- should call him the couch. The couch.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just very comfortable. And
0: ladies and gentlemen, this is the couch.
1: The couch. <laughs> Just, just, he just pushes a button on a guitar
0: pedal. And yeah. it just goes...
1: Rah, 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 rah. It
0: must be hard. I used to think that. It must be hard if you write a song when you're 18 years old. And then you get to... 70, what age is Jagger? 74? Still singing that song. I wonder how that feels. It was probably
1: okay now when you're in your 70s. When you're in your 40s, it probably hurts. It probably... I mean, it de- because my, my guess is that your relationship to the song... Changes, because you know, a comedian thinks like I can, I could not tell the same jokes for fifty years. Yeah, well, but most of them anyway. I could, and uh, <laughs> I'm,
0: I hearken back to those days. I used to have that argument with Rickles all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, because Rickles did the same act for forty years. I was like, it was easier for you guys, and he was like, Nah, shut up. It wasn't easier. I was like, Yeah, it was. You write an act and you're done. You do it in Vegas a couple of times, and nobody films it. You know, I
1: mean, it's like it was easy. I guess so, but your relationship would change over time. But with Rickles in particular, because <clears throat> I remember, I think everyone was clamoring to try to get Rickles to do a podcast, yeah, and and yeah. I don't think he ever did. He might, I don't think he did. <clears throat> but his whole thing was like, nah, he doesn't want to talk about comedy. He thinks it's it's gross and it cheapens the thing. But I was at your house for a Christmas party once, and you introduced me to him, and I knelt down, and you said, Chris is a stand-up comedian. You are? And he talked nonstop about comedy, and I was – it was so hard not to be like, I just want to record this for me. I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. put it out, but I want to hear everything that this said. Well is the saying. thing
0: about Don, I think it's a generational thing. Because Don was, he was a beautiful man. And like he was a beautiful man. But he but his act was quite acerbic and mm-hmm. you know, actually it would be totally unacceptable today. He'd be very costly. He'd be tearing apart mm-hmm. by, you know, the Twitter verse would go crazy yeah. with what he was saying. But but what, he, uh, but what he did was he separated himself from his act. He was, you know, he's a very sweet man, but what he did on stage was his, was his business and his job. Like, now when you do stand-up comedy, you do a podcast, you do a TV show, you're on a panel show, you do, like, it's all those different things where it's all kind of aspects of the same thing. He didn't really do that so much. You
1: know, I guess he was an actor. But I, yeah. think, those, I think those comics back then, I think it was also the difference of the mentality between now because we're a lot more spoiled now, performers think of themselves as artists. And I think I, my suspicion is that those people thought of themselves as, like, blue-collar, like, that's your job. Well, like- there's
0: that and also gratitude. Rickles, to, the, to his dying day, believed himself to be lucky. Yeah. Now, whether he was lucky or not, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I think he was a hugely talented artist. But but I th- he believed himself to be lucky he had gratitude and because he believed himself to be lucky i think he was happy mm-hmm. um, that and he had barbara and you know and, and barbara took care of him and they were like such a great partnership right that i think that he felt he was very lucky to be with her yeah you know and he was he, he had a sense of gratitude about his life which i think is difficult to to achieve yeah. no, no matter who you are but particularly now when like everything, you know, like you know, social media is all about uh, perceived reality that rather than actual reality. And so people look at the, uh, the
1: supposed realities of other people's lives and become depressed that it's not theirs. Right.
0: It's, it's, it's an odd thing.
1: But it's- the gratitude, especially, you know, when you are in recovery as we are, the gratitude is a nonstop element of that well it's it kind of
0: if you're doing it right i think or if you have any chance of remaining healthy but it is hard sometimes of course it is i mean you're a human being sometimes you're like yeah why do i have to do that but it's um but i think gratitude is a is a spiritual tool it's not a moral um prize it's just something that you need you need to have to, to be healthy, like maybe dental checkups. Right. You know, it's, it's, there's no real morality attached to it. It's just it would be a good idea to have it.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm
0: talking to myself here, really. I don't want to try and tell anyone else to have gratitude. I, I need to remember I have gratitude.
1: Did, did you feel uh, a, a weight lifted when you didn't have to do a show every day anymore? Yeah, I, I think that actually it wasn't really
0: on that day. When I was doing late night, when I decided I was going to leave, now you and I talked way before I left I about I was going to leave, yeah. and you're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and then, and then I, when I, you and weirdly enough, Larry King were the two people that said, you're, you're crazy. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going. And, and then you eventually, I mean, and both Larry as well, you came around to the fact that, yeah, if you don't want to do it, don't do if it. If right. it's not fun. If it's no not point. fun anymore, don't do it. So when I made the, the decision internally, and I mean it like in my body that I was going to go, paradoxically, of course, the show got more fun and, and actually became a better show because it was it was going to be over. Yeah, And I actually think that helps. I, th- I don't think it's, a, it's good for people to continue to do the same thing, you know, show business people, to do the same thing over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, I know, but I, I also... It was – I thought you did such an amazing job at bringing um, an authentic conversation into Late Night that did not exist – previous to your being there those moments where you would talk about your sober birthday right. or just or just riff at the top and just talk about your day in a way that wasn't like set up punchline set up punchline i mean like that was really it was a thing that and was that was weirdly grounded so it's, it's weird to say like it was groundbreaking to just be authentic but it was ground it was groundbreaking i don't know
0: if it was groundbreaking or just a, a momentary aberration because i couldn't do it now no one would allow it now I mean, what happened was that David Letterman owned the time slot. So, you know, I was shielded. So it was an aberration in television history because the, you know, Dave owned the time slot. So CBS couldn't really tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And and so the amount of corporate hypocrisy, which is, you know, you make choices about that. If you, you know, host a game show, you know, I've done that. You, you You make decisions about yourself. You know that you are... Um, going to have to behave in a certain way or tow a certain line because you're working for a giant corporation. And, But I didn't really have to do that that much. And that it, I realized because Dave owned it and Dave didn't care. <laughs> right. You know, Dave was like, I say what you like, I don't, I, don't I don't care. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't bother me. So it it kind of, I don't think that'll happen again because the the show is now owned completely by CBS and, you know, they're...
1: I believe they're going through a transition period right now. <laughs> but, um, I, I have your old dressing room because Talking Dead shoots on your original stage. Oh, man, that's right. so! So every Sunday I walk out to where I used to sit. Across from you.
0: That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Do you know I've never seen one episode of The Walking Dead? It would make my show very confusing. It would be difficult for me to for me to do if you hadn't seen it. I, but I, it's one of these shows that I I did it the same with Boardwalk Empire. hadn't seen it, hadn't seen it, hadn't seen it, it, then went on tour and watched the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what'll happen with Walking Dead. It
1: is. Well, uh, you'll have a lot of runway. They're in season nine right now. Yeah. Well, I've done that before.
0: I did that with no. I didn't do that with The Wire. The Wire. I kind of was there right away, but um, the. Sopranos, I did that. Yep. Yeah, I just, like, I love doing that. Like, going a deep dive in a show and watching it evolve quickly over time.
1: It is fun. It's edifying in a different way. But I do, I do think <clears throat> we can get spoiled with binge-watching. Because, like, you know, oh, yeah. when you live with a show week to week it really kind of nestles into your soul mm. but when you binge watch something it's like it's great all at once and then you're done and you don't think about it much well, after that.
0: you know what you're saying is you know pace yourself <laughs> and i think you're right but, but pacing myself has never no, really oh come on it's never really been my forte i,
1: I mean know. you you still you still have the heart of the guy in the punk band. I always thought of you as so. the heart yeah. of the guy in the punk I band. So I mean, your heart's
0: your heart. You know, that's your, your essence, as you get older, you know, it, things do change, though. I mean, I am very, I'm intrigued by that. I, I hope I'm gifted, you know, a little more time because I, I'm intrigued by that. I really think differently than the way I did when I was a kid, like really differently. Um, or even 10 or 15 years ago I'm like nah fuck that you know, I, something happened today I, I don't really have to go into the specifics nor, nor should I but I got a big offer for, for to do something and I'm like nah
1: no <laughs> 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 thanks <laughs>
0: Too much, yeah. uh, too much. Yeah, I don't, no thanks. I'll be away from. It. I got, I'm working on my pond and the the garden. I'm so.
1: Uh, but yeah. if that's what makes you happy, then that's that's
0: important, right? And I think that that's uh, otherwise. What were you doing it for in the first place? Right. You know, I mean, but it, it's it's tempting though to to go back into the game sometimes. But nah.
1: I mean, the thing is, if you ever feel like that's something you want to do, then you'll do it. And if you don't, and that's sort of—I don't the,
0: know, I don't know. Dave Chappelle talks about it. Is it's very easy to get out of show business, but it's very difficult to get back in. He did it all right, but it's—it's uh it's fun.
1: Once you go, you go, you know. Yeah, but the grind is something. It's—I mean, it's the same as like touring. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when you're in it. It's you know you you feel the work, but it's a little more seamless. And then when you don't and you go back, you're like, oh my god, yeah, how I does know. anyone do this? Yeah, know, for it's a, hard. You know, so you, you t- really have you to Do let tour it. properly. Like, do you tour with a
0: bus and a thing? And, no, I did
1: a bus tour once, and I didn't really like it. I just right. I just go like I'm doing ten dates. By the time this goes up, I'll I'll. It, it was between February and June. I'm doing like ten cities. All All right, so like so every couple every few weeks. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's not that bad. Yeah, that's the thing. I do it in one go. Yeah, just get it all. And, uh, land way.
0: and get on the bus and stay on the bus and then get off the bus and we're done.
1: Do you write pretty regularly or do you just write whenever you? Get I, get, a- I kind of write all the time.
0: You know, so, I mean, it's kind of a thing that I do that, you know, writing's kind of like going to the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> something you probably want to get done at least once a day.
1: Some of it hurts coming out.
0: Yeah. And then <laughs> sometimes you do a lot and it's a surprise. And other times you're like,
1: I really hope there was more. All <laughs> that for that? Yeah, really. What a surprise. Oh, well. Just camp out here for a yeah, while. Yeah. How long did it take you to write the book? was the book something uh, no was this idea. was this your idea to come up with a book or did someone say hey do you want to write no,
0: no, a book no 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 it was my idea the, the, it was um i i decided i wanted to write some sto- i I began writing the book before i knew it was a book i mean what i did was i I wrote some stories uh, just cuz i felt like writing them and then i thought oh no i can thread these together i can see how this works and uh the and that's how i ended up writing the book that i wrote it was it was an interesting experience I, because i didn't have anything to worry about i didn't didn 't sell it until after it was written. you know what I mean actually that 's not true. I sold it when it was about halfway through mm-hmm. um, and then I worked with an editor who I really liked I think that like a good editor is is an amazing thing like you, you especially if you read l- later books by great writers they 're usually bad <laughs> because no one wants to edit them
1: Oh right, you of know course. they're
0: too long like the the you know the early Harry Potter books much better than the later Harry Potter books the early Stephen King books much better than the later Stephen King books I really believe that I know people will disagree with me and that's their prerogative but I really think particularly there was a, there's been a couple of uh Stephen King books I love Stephen King's writing but there's been a couple of his books so I'm like We've just done 400 pages we didn't need. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: really, I mean, really, well, it's sort of the difference between Sunday, bloody Sunday, Man. and it's a beautiful yeah, day. Yeah, you that's know? right. Like, yeah, yeah you know. Like, but, but the thing is,
0: when you're trying to manufacture all this grinding stuff, and you're like, oh, can we just get out of here? I, I, come on, let's move on.
1: Well, the grinding stuff, you know, like that torment, that expression, that expression of torment... At the core is Torment, that right, you have to live Would through you have through to share it? You
0: have to live through it? <laughs> yes. But why can't we just have an editor cut the Torment out <laughs> and someone explain it, you know, quickly and efficiently in a page?
1: But, but I just think later in life, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't want to live through Torment all the time yeah, for, for the sake of art. And you look at, uh, <clears throat> you know, like the people like Rickles or Joan Rivers or, you know, people who... Were, I miss Joan Rivers. I, I miss her too. I loved Joan Rivers. And that the crazy thing is she didn't have to die then. No, I know. It, was it wasn't even a natural cause. Yeah, and she's still... Horrible She'd story. still be on stage now,
0: She's She's a voice that could be well used right about now. I, I, I loved Joan Rivers. Loved her.
1: Her warmth as a human being and her... You know, I never met her. I just I mean, you didn't. A, no, I just, only
0: only as a comedian. Uh, I, I just loved her as a comedian.
1: As a person, yeah, she was uh, super engaged, mm. checked in, a listener, mm. and it gave insight, especially if you saw her documentary, a piece yeah, of work, that. yeah, 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 to why she was able to thrive and survive for so long yeah. because she never stopped being curious. She never thought she was above anything even despite what her stage persona was right and she never stopped asking questions being involved trying to learn and uh she was uh, amazing yeah no, amazing you know, but yeah. i don't know if you know i don't know if i want to be like scrapping at it at like sc- scrapping for jokes at 79 80 years old no i won't be i tell you that <laughs> uh, no it's not uh
0: it's a different thing, though. It, it, I mean, it's a different time, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people doing it now, and there's a lot of different audiences. Like, you know, if you're a, if you're an 18 year old or a 20 year old kid, you're not you're not watching the same comedians I'm watching. I, you're not watching me. You know, I mean, it's everyone's got their own little niche now. I think. Uh, and I blame you for that. It's my fault. Yeah, um, but I'll take, they, I'll take that. But it, it's it. People watch what they. You know, it's like even with the news. Like you, you watch the news that will reinforce the stuff you already believe. That's right. I mean, it's so it's, it's kind of. It, it's a different game. I, I don't think there are such. Does this sound terribly old and bitter thing to say? But I, I don't think there are such big stars now. Genre crossing people, guys, like, people like Beyonce and stuff. I guess,
1: but there's but, a there's a few. Yes, right. people like Beyonce for sure. But you're right because when we were growing up, there were only a handful of outlets. Right, so there wasn't a lot of choice. Like right. you, it was like, well, everyone kind of had to come together. Right, because there was only three channels. And only you know, certain records would put it. So this is oh everyone loves this, you know. So forty million you know, it's like forty million people watching the Tonight Show every night. Right. I mean exactly.
0: and, and now you got like there there are people on YouTube uh let like my kids watch, I'm like i he my son will watch another kid play a video game. Yeah, yeah. I, And talk about it while I'm like, why? Why is that a thing? He's like, shut up, Dad. And I'm like, all right. Um," (laughs) I was like, but why you watching? Why don't you play the video game? Do I sound like a grandpa saying that? I mean, what what,
1: is that? Well, because it's. I mean, rather than go through the effort of play the game, you get to enjoy the story and have a guide. For the story at the same time. All right, man. I guess if you keep saying that, maybe you'll believe it. I don't know. It's just that, you know, when, when we were a lot younger in video games, it's like you couldn't really do a let's play of Frogger. Oh, so I'm no. going to cross the street right Pong. now and uh, Pong. Pong. Now I'm going to go to the left. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to the right. It's going to go doo doo. Oh, it's going to scoop. Oh, you got it. Right in the middle. Yeah, that was the best. A little glitchy. So there really wasn't much to narrate. Although, when I think about it, one of the greatest documentaries
0: I have seen is the King of Kong. Of course. Uh, and that's really basically watching somebody play video games, isn't it? It is, but... It's, it a, well, human story, it it's is a human story, games, It is watching video
1: games, but it is basically watching personalities clash. Yeah, oh, man, it's
0: everything. The villain...
1: In an uh, epic the, way. Yeah, the the, the hero called... I mean, it's fantastic. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Billy Mitchell was ultimately stripped of the title. Eventually, yes. Yes. Yeah, he was. Yeah. For, um, you know, some stuff Yeah, that wasn't... Cheating. Uh, <laughs> but it... <laughs> The thing is, you can be passionate about anything and it's fun to watch people be passionate about anything. That's the human connection point. Even I if you don't guess. play video games, you can watch.
0: All right. Well, then there's, there's like, let's not take that then. But let's take, you know, the, we're talking about, you know, diverse performer audience interactions. Like, I know there are whole niche performers who like people who do stuff on YouTube. I've never heard of them. You, you may have because I think you're very connected to these things. But I, I'm not, I know what YouTube is. But I've I've be, I've I've gone a different way with all this. I I don't have a browser on my phone. Yeah, you know I haven't been on social media in over a year. I don't now I'm on no media at all.
1: Well, I'm 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 headed that way. I'm not on a lot of social oh, media really? anymore, and I don't spend time like j- basically just because it's. You know you know a couple of years ago, I started feeling like this feels addiction- like I know what addiction oh, yeah. feels yeah, like yeah, sure. I know I know what those little chirping birds in my soul feels like right and uh and so I don't think I'm as connected as i as I used to be because at a certain point, I was like you know I would I, I think I need to be healthier, I think I need to kind of live more in the real world instead of worrying about what's going on in the digital world, where I don't know if anything is real, if anything is true, if anything is, you know, it's just so much energy and it's just all toxic. It's, t- it's too much
0: for me to, you know, the the best description, it was an odd source, but you know the country singer Trace Atkins? Yeah. So I'm talking to Trace once and I said, you on social media? And he went, I don't want to in a truck with that stuff. I'm <laughs> I was like, you oh, know, poison and shit. I was like, "Wait, well, why? There's only a couple of people. Come on, Trace. It's only just a few people. Most people are nice." And went, "That's not the way I look at it. It only takes one person to take a turd in the pool for me not to want to go in
1: it." I was like. Done. That's the perfect. Done. Thing. It only you're takes right. one person to shit in the pool. One person to shit. I in mean, the pool. Craig. It's only. It's a couple of shits in the pool. It's not like a thousand shits. Right. It's
0: only a few turds. Just, just swim up the just other. Just swim end. around yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, it's kind of. Uh, it kind of landed with me when he said <laughs> that. I was like, you know, you're right. I, I don't. I like Trace a lot, and he's. uh You know, he's got a great voice, and when he talks like that, you kind of listen. You know, I mean, I. I, uh, and that's the way I feel about it. And I'm glad to be away from it. It's, it's, it's very freeing, very liberating. I, I, am very glad I got out a late night before it became, you know, really a farm for viral work. Right. Which is what it is now. Of course. You know, that you, it is just a a place where you make pieces on TV to, for the hope that people watch them on their phones the following day. Right. I really believe
1: that's what it is now. Yeah, because you're, you're basically chasing. You're having to chase, you know. It's like all of television. They're just so desperate to not hemorrhage audience, and so they need attention, and so everyone's right. just like, "What can we do? We got to create it. We do? And you're basically just chasing trends and hoping that you know people pass your shit around. Yeah, and I, I don't care anymore. I, I I really don't. That that's beautiful. It, it is. It's a yeah. beautiful. Place. Like when you said, like I'd rather just be working on my pond. I really on would. On such a deep level, yeah. I understood. Yeah. Exactly what you mean.
0: Well, if you want to talk ponds, I've actually finished one pond and I'm starting a new pond. What's the pond that you finished? Well, the, f- the first pond, I had this little parking area, much like the parking area in front of your house here. And it looked like a parking lot in front yeah. of my house. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to have a parking lot in front of my house. So I thought, I'll put a pond in. Now, I thought you'd just dig a hole and put water in it. Right. I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> That's how you learn. yeah. yeah. So, you know, I get the pond guy comes over and he's like, Oh, no, you're going to need some. And we get the liner and the thing and we dig the hole and the liner goes in and that. But here's the thing about a pond you put a pond in, and pretty soon nature will take care of the rest for you. Mm-hmm. Like, moss starts to grow in the mm-hmm. pond and it creates oxygen in the pond and like the uh the birds start coming and yeah. they eat little things and then little critters come to the, the ghost of those turtles you killed yeah they all i didn't kill them they died okay. and they uh <laughs> the all of these um all of these things are happening and I, and I started this little ecosystem and i became interested in it and what i realized is, i mean the pond is a pond but but I, I realized that show business, and LA is particularly bad for this, that show business had become all I did Was show business. All I did was I, like, I talked about it. I hung out with people who worked in it. My, you know, the, my kids, uh, their friends' parents were all in show business. Some of their friends were in show business, even though they were at school. This is a one-industry town, and that's boring to me. And when I moved, you know, out of here, when I spend, I mean, I still come here. I still have friends here. I still like it here. But I don't want to live in Los Angeles and and be inside all that. Los Angeles is like the internet. It's only dangerous if you take it seriously. (laughs) But if you take it seriously, it'll fucking kill you. Of course. You know, and you have to say, "Eh, you know, it's all right. It's just a lot of noise. I'm going somewhere else. And what I like about being in Scotland is there's plenty of people in show business who live in Scotland, plenty of people who are in show business and work in Scotland and are involved, but there's plenty of people who aren't.
1: Right. And that helps a great deal I like that. So being exposed to like real life situations and things in the real world and nature and those things is somehow gratifying to the soul it turns Not out. Not just that. I remember <laughs> I remember once thinking this is very recently I
0: was in IKEA in Glasgow and I had ordered some flat pack furniture that was pretty big uh yeah i don't mean to show off but i can afford some flat pack furniture (laughs) from ikea yeah yeah. so so i'm in ikea now if you buy a larger piece of furniture from ikea you don't just take it you have to hand in a ticket and then they'll go to the warehouse thing and the guy will bring it to you so you get in a line so i'm sitting in a line in ikea with a bunch of people you know there's like the guy with one eye the guy with the hump the lady with the you know it's just like a whole uh, mess of of people cross-section like, of humanity. Right, waiting uh, for flat-pack furniture. And I was in Glasgow, and it was raining, and I got this overwhelming feeling of, I've not been so happy in years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea why it came to me in Ikea, but it really did. And I think it was because... It, it, it struck me again, like, very recently in Glasgow, I had to go to the eye doctor. Now, lots of people go to the eye doctor, but here's what I did. And this... I know that you are a person who lives in LA, so you'll understand this. People who are not involved in this may have difficulty understanding it initially. I went to the eye doctor on my own, I made an appointment, and then I, and then I went to the eye doctor on my own after to follow up on that appointment. I got the thing, you know, they looked at my eyes and said, okay, here's the new prescription for your contact lenses and your glasses. I paid for them, and then when they were ready, I went and picked them up myself, and no assistant was involved <laughs> at any point in the transaction. I did it all myself. Now... I know that sounds like a horrible, overprivileged thing to say, but I really was cool with it.
1: Well, because what I think what you're talking about is appreciating the fact that when your world gets smaller, it simplifies. Yeah. And when you're waiting for flat pack furniture, there's nothing complicated to navigate other than that line that you're in and handing in your ticket and getting your flat pack furniture. When you're here... Everything is so complicated, and there's social politics, and there's politics, politics, and then there's digital media politics, and there's a, and there's so many ways that th- you can fuck it up in so many ways. It I sucks.
0: think that, that Los Angeles uh, is like the court of a mad Austrian emperor in the Middle Ages. You know there there the, the, the is. The manners and the, you know, that you have to kind of like remember and bow the right way
1: and do the right thing. And I'm like, I, I can't do it anymore. I I don't want to do it I anymore. think social media is King Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, Just this mad boy king that yeah. has a, a very sadistic... Uh... I think that it, you know, I realized, look,
0: I don't... I don't wish to blow my own trumpet, but I think we all know I'm probably the coolest person in this building right now. I
1: don't think right. anyone will disagree right. with you. Okay, no. So the tattoos and the earring and yeah. the fact that there is a full mop of hair on your head full looks mop. amazing. Yeah, thank you
0: very much indeed. And and what I'm what I'm saying is, when I realized that Twitter was a chat room, I went, "Oh man, I'm I'm way too cool to be in a chat room. <laughs> I shouldn't be in a chat room. I have to get off of this." And then now I know that people on Twitter are like, But wait, Craig, you have an account. Well you have a Twitter account. I go, Yeah, I do. And and my pal Tomas puts up my ticket dates on that. And that's all you'll see up there. There's no pictures of my kids or what I had for lunch. That's over, it's done. Right. All, all that stuff. That's I never have put up pictures of my kids, but there's no there's no personal connection. It's not happening. You want a personal connection with me? Uh, if you if you desire that, and I'm not saying that you do, but if you do, then come along and see
1: me when I'll be in your town and
0: then and then we'll
1: have a I'll do a show. Now, when when you first left the show, was there a period of time where you had to decom? Like, how much was the decompression time? Because whenever you finish something, you know, just whatever. It's like you, you, you. Because I did a late night show for a while, and you're almost holding your breath the entire time. Oh, we gotta get through this today. Yeah, we, gotta this, we gotta get through this. Oh, we got to get? Okay, okay. What happened? Okay. Oh, we almost got. Oh, when oh this. You, oh, this- when this- you did midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then you finish, and you're like. <gasps> You know, you breathe. Yeah. As much fun as it was, and it's one of the favorite things I've ever done. You breathe, and then then do you start processing the last several years that you were holding your breath? Is there a, is there a decompression think, period for you? I think that sounds like it was for you for sure. I think for me,
0: I am um, like a bit older than you. I think uh, so. I, I think I was more tired, <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that what also, I was so ready to go. Yeah. I mean I it wasn't like I mean I was ready to leave that show in twenty ten. Oh wow. And and uh and I left in at the end of twenty fourteen. Yeah. Uh now that's not to say I didn't enjoy it in the years. I, I did enjoy it. I'm proud of that show. I'm happy I did it. I'm grateful I got the opportunity. I, I think it was a good show. But but when I left, I was so grateful to be out. Now you're right. Transition, even if you even if you seek transition, it's still disconcerting sometimes. And I think probably I overcompensated, I put in you know, other work and th- shows that I probably wouldn't. Have done. Like I did a show for the History Channel and I think like, I was I- on that show, right? And you yeah. were good on it, but I probably shouldn't have done that show. I was just like, oh, I better do something. I didn't need to do that show. I just did it, and um, and I did some other things. I thought I probably shouldn't shouldn't have done those things, but I just I didn't. I was out of the habit of uh, of not work. You know, of, of not working compulsively all the time uh, because I had done a late night show every day. Like I I did that show through the death of my parents. I did that show through my marriage, through kids being sick, through shingles, through flu bouts, through, you know, through ups and downs and ins and outs. I was there. I never missed a day on that show. You know? And then when I look back and I think that was the wrong way to do it. Like when my when my mother died, I pre taped a bunch of shows and went back to for Scotland for the funeral and then came back. I didn't
1: Process, I didn't. I
0: didn't I, what I didn't do is I didn't say, you know what, guys, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. My mother just died. Uh, and no one offered it either. You know, see, when they, you think that, you go, like people in show business always, they talk about you, they're your family. And you go, well, no, you're not. You know, <laughs> no, you're not. You're a bunch of people I work with. and And I understand the
1: desire to create camaraderie. And that's good with people. Well, they, they tell you that while you're working with them because things are going well and right. they want you to know that. But, right. you know, I mean, I, I I went to work the day after my dad died very suddenly. And I have to say, I'm glad I did because it was a tremendous distraction for that day. Like it just, it gave yeah, me my a dad, little...
0: Yeah, my dad, I did the same thing. Yes, I, I agree with you on that. With my mother, it was a different thing. I, I shouldn't have done it. I, I shouldn't have done it with my mother. I should have I should have stayed off work for a couple of weeks and I didn't. You know. Well, and, 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 you know, it is what it is. You know, it happened. But um I I look I look at it now. It was funny because I remember saying to my mother years and years ago, I said to her, uh, I, "I'm crazy with with work. I've got too much work. I'm going. I'm psychotic with exhaustion." And she said, "Oh, but that's a good psychosis, isn't it? You know, because if you've got psych- if you're psychotic from overwork, that means you're working."
1: And I'm like, "Mom, I don't know if that's don't know if that's really a thing." But her generation is
0: good psychosis. Her, but, her
1: generation, though, it's exactly, like you were yeah. lucky to have exactly. a- income and it's stuff, that thing you we know? said about Rickles, You know, it's yeah. the, the idea of gratitude and and being able to. But I – you know, listen, it's not my place to disagree with you on this, but I disagree that you did it all wrong because I feel like had you not – taken that journey then maybe you wouldn't have gotten to the place where the best thing in the world was that you were in line at ikea waiting for a back to come you know it's like listen
0: i'm not saying that that is the best thing in the world i was just shocked at how much i enjoyed the line at ikea that's what that's
1: what that was you were content you were you you were happy you were happy with the present because you didn't have to worry about the distant future or the distant past it was the perfect little microcosm of I'm just thankful to be here alive in this moment in yes. a human experience. Yep. with a, a result that's easy to get, and then I'm gonna fucking leave.
0: And then you know the 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 bonus of easy to assemble flat back furniture at the end of that. Then it gets very little upsetting. Little tsunami. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to say that I feel like. IKEA could up their game a little bit <laughs> with the flat pack. I think I think they're putting flat pack ahead of a. The assembly. gloves are off. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, and I've no wish to confront the Swedish behemoth, but I feel like they could just make the game a little easier.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I feel like there's a like. If you can un there's probably like a way you can peel the directions apart from the front and the back and then you basically see the outline of that little wrench with the eyeballs just pleading to be saved. Yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot and of
0: They have those weird uh, tools that only work on IKEA. That's like, right. Come on.
1: Yeah, it's not metric, it's not imperial, yeah, like it's yeah. sort of it's yeah, IKEA, that's, you that's know. still no playing the game. <laughs> no, that's, they're forcing Come, to come on, to Sweden. Ta- come on. We're counting on you. That's what they're that's how they're slowly taking over the new they're not neutral about anything. Yeah, we were totally neutral
0: all the time. Yeah, it gets Where? his man a flat
1: pack. Yeah. Well Get some meatballs. Take the Erk
0: Top 23 <laughs> Um I don't know. I don't know. Are you feeling good in general still? Like good? Yeah I think they- so, yeah. I mean look I, you're a human being I have ups and downs but I I feel like um I'm more concentrated on mental health spiritual and emotional health than I used to be because about 18 months ago or so, I kind of, I don't know, I started to feel extremely uncomfortable. I, I mean, I would describe it to you as a dry drunk. But sure. I mean, to explain that to people that don't know what it is, it, it, I I guess it, I was. I had all the hallmarks of an alcoholic except drinking. I was right. you know, restless and unhappy and really bad. And, and I started to get weird. What happened was I got a, a root canal uh and uh and i got given a painkiller after it and the painkiller like i was very concerned about taking a painkiller yeah, because of, you know you, yeah. you got to be very careful if you're a recovering alcoholic like me that you the uh, painkillers are how can really fuck you up you got to yeah. be very careful and with they're it. very insidious because the doctor tells you to take it and then you right. and, before, and you're no, in pain and you're, you're in pain right, right yeah so i i resisted it but then i was like no, I, I, I was in real agony. So I call, you know, the man in the twelve step program that helps me and I talk to everybody and everybody's around me and they hand me the, the it was a percocet, they hand it to me on a like a pair of tongs and yeah. it's like this dry ice coming off it and all that kind of stuff. And I and I take this percocet and it takes the pain away. I didn't get high. Right. It took the the immense dental pain away. But what but something happened after it. I didn't take it for very long. I just took it as long as just to, to not feel be in agony. Right. And I thought, well, I'm fine. I skated. I took the painkiller, took the pain away, and that's fine, and that's good. But for about two or three weeks after it, I became fixated on the idea of going to Juarez in Mexico and getting drunk. Now, I've never been to Juarez. Um, I have no connection to the town of Juarez at all. I don't know anything about it, but I, I became utterly focused on that I was going to, and it took all my years of experience and help and and support network to not go to Juarez and get drunk. Now, what the hell is that? It was a, it was a mental, um, it was some kind of episode. Uh, And I could only find my way out by doing what I did when I first got sober, which is contact the right people, talk to the right people, get it out in the open, admit it, say it, you know, uh, flush it out of myself. And, and I still am not quite sure how it got that dark, but I think it's something to do with a lack of um, uh, self-care, you know, that you have to kind of like, am I, am I all right here? Just check in with yourself a little bit. And it kinda, I kind of wandered off the path a little more and a little more and a little more. Didn't all happen in one day. Uh, and then uh, you know I did not go to Juarez and get drunk thankfully I don't know why Juarez I'm still not sure I think as I thought if I get drunk in Juarez I'll get I'll go into the wrong place and someone will take me out because I know Juarez is quite a dangerous town right or I don't know if it is I'd heard, I've heard that it is. sure so I thought if I go there get drunk I'll say the wrong thing the wrong person in the wrong place and that'll end it
1: right um
0: and so it was a kind of dark Dark so that time. was. Do you
1: think that was the core of it? It was basically a self-destructive. Yeah, it, it, was,
0: it was a self-destructive thing. It was a. It was a self-annihilation impulse, which I, uh, which has passed,
1: but it, but is. Uh, it was a surprise. Well, it's very important to. Everything you did was very important, but then also the recognition that it passed is yes. supremely important because when you get consumed by that whether you're in recovery or whatever it's real hard to see like there's a you just fallen in a ditch and you're gonna get out yeah it's yeah, very that, very, that kind very kind of hard stuff to doesn't see. help at the time yeah, no it, it doesn't it's very it's very
0: odd i think what i i learned from it if anyone's experiencing a similar kind of uh, thing i know a lot of people do is that i noticed that what i did if anyone's interested in in do it, getting themselves out of it, that I worked contrary to the way I felt. So, you know, I knew that, like, for example, going to a meeting, I, I didn't want to go to a meeting, but I, I knew that I had to go to a meeting. So I, I just did it. I did it, though I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I knew that I had to uh, go for a walk. I knew that I had to go outside. I knew that I had to talk to somebody about it. I didn't want to do any of these things, but I did them because I just, I, I, I desperately needed something. Yeah, and and I was desperate enough to, to do stuff that I didn't want to do, just like when I got sober, I was given the gift, I suppose, of desperation. Well, but it's, but it's kind of humbling when you think, like, wait, I thought I had this kind of under control. Well, that's
1: like, the thing is that it is an ongoing process, sure, and that can sound daunting to someone, and like we don't have to deal with whole my whole life. Yeah. You know what? You're gonna to have to deal with something your whole life. You know. Well, you so, said like you know I cleaned my apartment four years ago. I don't done. have to clean it again. No, that's not really how it works. <clears throat> no, that's I know not what really. You, how mean. you don't go to the gym one time. Right. And so I think that's. Well, a, I did. I yeah, of course. One, one, one time in your perfect. And like, perfect. Like that's enough. But that's why it's important <clears throat> to, I think, engage in things that you don't necessarily like stepping outside your comfort zone mm. for things that are constructive. Like I know, you know, this is a much dumber example, but I've had the same guy who's trained me like exercise for, gosh, I don't know, 13 years, maybe Mm -hmm. 12, 13 years. And a lot of days I do not feel like going and doing it, but I know if I can get my body there, Right. My brain will follow. Right, that's right. And, and, that th- to and me, that's it. That's it. That yeah. to me is so helpful to the world where it's like, yeah, because your brain only wants you to feel good. Your emotional brain only wants you to feel good at any given moment. Right. And it doesn't discern that might be overeating, it might be charity work, but it also might be drugs or sex. And so you really have to you, to, to be empowered by knowing that you are not a you don't have to listen to everything your your brain tells you you should do. And also a little bit of
0: self-knowledge, I guess, um, it, it is the thing that I used to think. I mean, I mistake symptoms, physical symptoms in my body. And what I mean by that is this. Sometimes I can feel like you need to hear a piece of fucking truth from me. Right. But really, that what that is, is that I need something to eat. <laughs> no. You know, like. You have to look
1: at the chart. Yeah. You need to listen to we, me? We, oh, he just. No, no, I'm, I'm
0: just actually hungry. Can like, I just have a piece of toast or something? Please, like, I have blood like, sugar. Like, you son of a bitch. I, wait, wait, it's bagel. It's oh, a bagel. Sorry, going? it's a bagel. Right, yeah. no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The other the converse is true. Sometimes I might think, I'll just have a bagel. When really, what I should do is tell you something you need to fucking hear. Sure. You know, so the wires are crossed, right? So, and and the trick is to not get caught up in you know forty bagels a day when really you should be sticking <laughs> up for yourself, you know. <laughs> uh, and I think that 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 that's the self-knowledge is difficult and it's i think it's only possible with um taking the perspective of other people who you trust that's right you know so you can't you can't just decide you know yourself you have to talk to people who are seeing it from a different angle and that's okay and it's not it's
1: not it's it's i i believe some people i don't know i just think it's strength it's not you know i say to people like it's not weakness to tell people that you're vulnerable like it's it's a human and it's important and oh, right. yeah that's and, one of the survival one of the gifts
0: of age is like i don't, I don't give don't a fuck if you what you think about whether i'm vulnerable or not vulnerable. fuck you yeah like you're know, like you're so fucking powerful wait till it's your turn at four o'clock in the morning in a fetal position in some fucking shitty hotel somewhere right you know like because you're going there you know, don't think you're not going there, and it's like, oh, everything's great in my life. Really?
1: Fuck you, <laughs> fucking
0: liar. You know, <laughs> you know unless but, you're Henry Winkler. <laughs> well, well, see, I see. Yeah, even with Henry, I think Henry is probably at some point gone, "Gosh darn, I don't feel so great." <laughs> <laughs> I bet he has, and he would admit it too. Of course he would. Because he's, because he's, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't want to go on about Henry, but, but, but that I think that's what it is. I think you have to you have to kind of know yourself a little bit because otherwise people are going to make up a story about you and you might believe them. Right. You know?
1: if, especially if you are looking for something, looking for a purpose, looking for something to hold on to. I mean, this is just, we're just constantly looking for something to hold on to and sometimes that's darkness, you know, unfortunately. But in those moments, you know, like what are a couple things that you, like what are some of the tricks to, to sort of pull you Neil out? Neil Gaiman. said it
0: best life is a fatal sexually transmitted disease (laughs) so you might as well enjoy it
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's. I don't think it's ever been put any more plainly or well, perfectly he's than a, it.
0: He's a pretty good writer. He's
1: pretty good at what he does. <laughs> he's pretty good. As a matter of fact. I haven't I'm, seen him recently. Have you seen Neil? I'm, he recently? lives in like Minneapolis, or yeah, like he did go back there. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know if he's been. I mean, I know American Gods is gearing up again. Oh, or yeah, I don't yeah, know if they're course, shooting it or yeah, they're about yeah. to shoot it, but. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Seen, I haven't seen him around these parts. I uh, haven't been around these parts for some wow. time. Wow. He's we'll got a. He's got a baby. He's got a baby now. A baby yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have right. a. They have a baby. Do you have a baby now. We do not have a baby. Yeah, then I, yeah. no, unless my wife's been hiding one. No, no, no. no. She would have, have, have had to have hit a pregnancy. Yeah, no. I've th- no. What
0: do I think, I uh, like the last time I saw you was at the wedding. I think it was at our wedding. Yeah, yeah. 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 There were some other people there as well. I can't there remember. were.
1: Other, I don't know. Not that I remember. I think it was just you.
0: Monster thing. That how many people were at that wedding?
1: There were probably close to six hundred people. Oh my god, it was crazy. I know. Well, I've had movies that didn't have as many people see it as your fucking wedding. But I'll tell you, I the thing that I loved about our wedding was the thing that I was resistant to about our wedding, which is that Lydia made everyone check their phones at the door. Yeah, and it was fucking great. Yes, and I argued against it, and I was wrong. Because everyone was engaged, checked in, they remember the night No yep. one was trying to capture it; they were just fucking living in it. Yeah, and it was great. No, oh, no, no, it was. It was fun. You're yeah. n- we're never
0: in those. Do you know what's weird? Is I sat next to James Corden at your wedding. That's Did- where. I, that's where I. Yeah, me and James Corden and our wives, we we sat together.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't, I don't know if I knew that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was fun. Well, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah, we had a good. It's the first time I spent any time with. Them. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, hello. I said, I- I'm sitting there. Yeah, for now. <laughs>
1: That's my seat. Not anymore. Oh, my God. The best joke of the wedding. And no one heard it. uh. You know, it's
0: funny. I've been saying this to someone recently. I I, I like James. He's a lot of fun. And he's very good at what he does. But for 10 years, I, I was on that show. I worried about my weight. And my accent, and then after I quit, they put in a fat guy who's got a worse accent than me. Come didn't on. have to worry about
1: it anymore. didn't have to worry about it anymore. I could have been enjoying the, the fruits <laughs> of my success. <laughs> I had no idea that happened. That yeah. was a, that was a that was, you know some details of the wedding. I See, did. if you'd have let us take our phones in, then we could have. You like, could have you know, tweeted yeah, about yeah, it. And yeah. Then you would have taken selfies and yeah. stuff. I, I just I can't tell you how much I love. You, as a human being, you <laughs> like you. You, the, you. The first time you were on the podcast was in the first few months of the podcast, mm-hmm. which was June of 2010. And you, we did a live show at Largo. That's right. It was you were so much fun. You were our yeah. second live show. Adam Savage, I think, was the first. Yep. And then you came to Adam's show, and then you were like, "Hey, I'd love to do the podcast. I you want to come I'll be, be like, on Cheeky that. Monkey Show?" Yeah, it and was like, phenomenal. And you were, and and we became friends after that. And I always, I have such a special place in my heart, especially as uh, someone who's just a hair older, who has more experience with sobriety, and who has navigated these things, and who has always made me feel like, you know. Yeah, whatever you're going through, it'll probably be fucking fine. Yeah, it's probably right. gonna be it, fine. It, 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 it'll, you know, will be it. all
0: right. It's fucking, who fucking, fucking cares? You'll be fine. Go to
1: Ikea. get some flat pike. Furniture. Well, it's because you, that. because you, and you know, and I'm, and I, and I know that your book, "Writing the Elephant: A Memoir of altercation, simulations, hallucinations, and Observations" by Craig Ferguson, um, well done, man. Is full of, I feel like you really pushed it. There. I really did. <laughs> is full of. Um, like, th- th- there's nothing about the way that you present any of it is like, it's a perfect sunny morn. It's just like, hey, there's pain and it's flawed, but you do the work and it's worth it, you know? You Sometimes. just do the work and it's... Sometimes
0: and it's- you do the work and, and you don't get to see it, but what else are you going to do? Right. You know, I mean, the the truth is, it's, uh, I think in time this will happen again. But in recent years, the way that the world has gone, I feel no obligation to tell the truth to the press. But I feel a certain amount of obligation to tell the truth in the written word. Mm -hmm. Because that's for longer. Right. You know, when I'm gone, that's still around. So I kind of want to make sure that, even if it's not technically correct, I mean, in the sense that there are events, and I don't know if it happened in that day or if it happened ten days later, or if he was really there or if it was really another guy, you know, it gets patchy in places. But what it is, essentially, is an emotional truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's ultimately the aim of all things for me.
1: Well, and I think that's what you brought to our culture, and I think that's what people loved, and I know that's what People miss about seeing you, you know, somewhere on television uh, every night. Oh well, you know, there's always the occasional cash grab that might <laughs> that might show
0: up, or might have already showed up.
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. It sounds like you're turning down cash grabs left and right. Not doesn't. all the time. That flat pack shit done by itself. <laughs> well, I wish you a safe journey back to Scotland. Thank you, my friend, well, and I hope to, to, to come busy. You. I want to see your.
0: Uh, I want to see your fancy uh, pond. Yeah, it's it's a there are. I put in 10 goldfish. Yes. And it's gone crazy. It's gone crazy. It's <laughs> like there's, there's goldfish as far as the eye can see. Goldfish. Well, as far as
1: the edge of the pond. Goldfish be fucking. Right
0: yeah, there. I tell you, man, they, they don't mess around. <laughs> I put, they, they, they cost me a pound each. That's like a buck thirty for each fish. And now I, I got easily. Six hundred bucks worth. Of I
1: mean, fish. that's a good return on I'm your investment, you, man, right there. I,
0: that's the game I'm getting into, or
1: just a good, uh, just a good meal for after the apocalypse.
0: Yeah, I'm so vegan.
1: Oh shit! Yeah.
0: Even after the apocalypse, I'll be like, do you have any? Uh, Non dairy creamer. I can
1: scrape some of the moss around the goldfish. <laughs> Do you non dairy creamer. I, I, I really. I know, uh, I'm a zombie. This yeah. is the apocalypse. I'm well, a
0: uh, vegan zombie.
1: So yeah, there's right. a plant growing off my arm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, where'd you get your protein? Where'd you get your protein? <laughs> uh, I love you, Craig Ferguson. Right back at you, son. The end. You've just listened to the ID Most weight loss plans are one size fits all. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. NT podcast number 998 with Mr. Craig Ferguson, who, again, I mean, his willingness to just be open about his struggles, not only for himself, but just for other folks out there. And it's one of the things that I loved about him on television is that he would talk about anything I mean he really was an open book and and a really authentic human being uh, and voice on on the television and so I thought a lot about the and I still think about it the the impulse that he had to go basically to go to Juarez and get drunk um and I really yeah, I don't know. I I really wanted to really want to talk to him more about that at some point uh because you know there are a lot of things that can happen why when you think and, and I think this is sort of the takeaway from it. You know no matter how covered you think you have something like, you know, he's been sober longer than I have by a lot and uh still occasionally has struggles. And you know we all have struggles once we think we've got something covered. And so it really is important just to keep checking in, just to make sure to never feel like you're above that um, because that's very prideful (laughs) and that can get you into a bad situation. And he wasn't in this situation. He was the opposite of prideful. He knew that he was going through something. He knew he had to talk to people. He knew he had to follow steps. He had to consult the right people. And then he somewhere knew that as awful as it felt, that it would pass because he had that experience. And that's hopefully what you will feel when, if you're going through something similar. And again, who knows, you know, the fact that he had to take Percocet, he did it under supervision, but you know, maybe something biochemical happened, you know, like when you put, things in your body that you're not used to taking, it can do fucked up stuff to your brain and make you think weird things. And a chemical thing can result in a, in an emotional reaction as, you know, either with that or like he said, like, oh, I'm just, I just need a bagel. <laughs> I'm not actually angry about a thing. Um, you know, maybe there was a deep-seated subconscious uh, thing of guilt that, you know, he has had to take this thing and he hasn't had to do that in so long. And maybe his somewhere deep inside, you know, his brain just kind of wanted him to punish him or, or feel bad for something that he really didn't really sound like he had a lot of choice in doing. But the, the point is he identified it. He took the steps and he got through it. And, and I'm so glad that he shared that. And it's just more reason why I respect the man so much. Because, you know, whatever you're going through, just know that it, may, it might not be as real as you think it is. I still, even just yesterday, I was grousing uh, about something... Um, That was bothering me and kind of worrying and catastrophizing. And I (laughs) and Lydia was like, "Ah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And we pulled up right behind a car and this bumper sticker, which has one of my favorite sayings that I was shocked to see on a bumper sticker was uh, you don't have to believe everything you think. I know I've said that here before, and I it bears repeating, because it's hard to remember that when you're having an emotional reaction to something like, you know, I was having yesterday, or like Craig was having when he was going through what he was going through. And, you know, just because a thought or an impulse or a compulsion enters your brain doesn't mean that you have to obey it. And I find that to be so empowering, um, because, again, we don't have to be led around by things that maybe are emotions that are the result of baggage that we have or trauma that we've gone through or even, again, just some sort of a physiological response because we haven't eaten or we haven't had enough water or whatever it is. So just know (laughs) that your brain is doing the best it can, but you don't always have to listen to it. Um, And you can take a step back and say, okay, I think this might be a part of something else and I should not be ashamed to go talk to someone, to get the help I need, to um, get back into a program if I was in one before, or hit the program a little bit harder, or hit therapy a little bit harder, or lean on some friends for this period of time, just to sort of make sure that I'm okay. It is 100% not a weakness, it is a strength to be able to identify that and ask for help. Everyone needs to, it's very human we shouldn't think of these things as being, you know, these big dramatic productions. They're just just part of humanity, and it's normal, and it's okay, and you're okay. So um, take care of yourself. Again, you are worth it. I will remind you of that every week. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate Craig Ferguson for being so open and uh, for, for talking about this stuff. Um, every other voice out there that normalizes this talk makes that many more people feel okay or feel like they can open up or feel like, hey, maybe I'm not broken. Maybe I'm just a human being and things don't have to be perfect 100% of the time and that's okay. So uh, that's it. I hope you have a wonderful week Um, and I will see you next week again in your ears. All right. ID 10T scanning Complete. Enjoy your burrito.